The House and Senate have both taken off for their August recess and will not return until after Labor Day. The Senate will return September 5, while the House will not return until September 12. Let's talk about illegal immigration. The Biden administration has been touting lower numbers of illegal immigrants crossing our southern border over the last few months since Title 42 restrictions were lifted. Don't believe them. The numbers of illegal immigrants crossing our southern border are still astronomical. The Border Patrol apprehended almost 145,000 people trying to cross our border illegally in June. To put that in context and show you that no matter how hard DHS Secretary Mayorkas may tell you that the numbers are down, the 145,000 people apprehended trying to cross the border illegally in June 2023 compares to 33,049 who were apprehended trying to cross the border illegally in June 2020. That's the last June that President Trump was in charge. The uptick in apprehensions most recently was most notable in Arizona, where temperatures reached 110 degrees for most of last month. In the Tucson area alone, Border Patrol agents apprehended almost 40,000 illegal immigrants. That's the highest monthly total in 15 years. Now, the latest update on the Biden crime family saga. Last Monday, three House Committee Chairmen, Ways and Means Chairman Jason Smith of Missouri, Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan of Ohio, and Oversight and Accountability Chairman James Comer of Kentucky, sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland following up on the plea deal Hunter Biden had been offered. That's the plea deal that the judge in the case refused to accept wrote the three chairmen, quote, The department's unusual plea and pretrial diversion agreements with Mr. Biden raise serious concerns, especially when combined with recent whistleblower allegations that the department has provided preferential treatment toward Mr. Biden in the course of its investigation and proposed resolution of his alleged criminal conduct, end quote. Then the three chairmen asked for lots of information, most of which seeks to determine just how special was the treatment afforded Hunter Biden, the final question of which was a real doozy. Quote, an explanation of why the department originally agreed to a plea agreement if other investigation, parenthesis S, concerning Hunter Biden are ongoing, end quote. Yes, indeed. Why offer a plea deal before the investigation is through? That makes no sense. The three committee chairmen asked that the Department of Justice provide the requested information no later than 5 p.m. on Monday, August 14. That's one week from today. Also last Monday, Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's former business partner and fellow Burisma board member, gave a transcribed interview to the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability. The transcript of the interview was released on Thursday. Archer's testimony blows Joe's Biden lies out of the water. Archer testified that on some 20 occasions over the course of 10 years, Joe Biden met with, in person or on the phone, Hunter's business partners and associates in direct contravention to Joe Biden's repeated assurances that he had never spoken with his son about his overseas business ventures. You'll recall we discussed last week the fact that White House messaging had changed in a significant way. The White House was no longer repeating Joe Biden's assurance that he had never spoken to his son about his son's overseas business ventures and had switched to now saying that Joe Biden was never in business with his son. Archer said that each time Joe Biden joined a business meeting, by phone or in person, the conversations were about mundane things like the weather. But that's irrelevant. 
The very fact that Joe Biden, the sitting vice president of the United States, got on the phone or met in person with Hunter's business partners and associates was all that was needed to prove the point and make the sale. It wasn't the illusion of access, as Democrat Dan Goldman tried to argue. It was access itself that was being sold. Joe Biden, as Archer explained, was the one being monetized. There is now ample evidence to open an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. Stay tuned. Now to the latest Trump indictments. Last Tuesday, Special Counsel Jack Smith unveiled new indictments against former President Donald Trump, all related to Trump's actions after the 2020 elections. Smith indicted Trump on four counts conspiracy to defraud the United States, witness tampering, conspiracy against the rights of citizens, and obstruction of and attempt to obstruct an official proceeding. This is an absurd set of indictments. Democrats in the media have wanted an indictment of Trump for January 6th ever since it happened. Smith has now given it to them, but they may end up ruining this day because these are such weak indictments. What's actually most interesting to me is what is not listed in the indictment. There is no charge for coordinating with either the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers, nor is there any charge against Trump for inciting the riot at the Capitol. Even the special counsel concluded he couldn't make those charges stick because he had no evidence. Instead, Smith charged Trump with one count of obstruction and three counts of conspiracy. The conspiracy counts relate to Trump's efforts to lobby various state officials to find vote fraud, his work with others to stand up alternate electors in key battleground states, and working to convince Vice President Mike Pence that Pence had the authority to reject electoral votes when Pence presided over the official counting of the electoral votes on January 6. Smith's indictment says Trump lied about vote fraud and lied about having the election stolen. And Smith's indictment says that when he acted on those lies, Trump broke the law. Even the New York Times calls this a novel approach. Novel in the sense that the particular statutes Smith is charging Trump with violating have never been used in this way before. There's a reason for that. Trump didn't break the law. In order to prove someone guilty of fraud, for instance, you must prove, among other things, that the suspect knew he was deceiving someone. Smith goes to great lengths to show many, many campaign and government officials who told Trump that they had been unable to find evidence of significant vote fraud. But Smith leaves out all the people who were telling Trump the opposite, that the election had in fact been stolen, and there were many of them. And there's something else missing from these indictments. Smith offers no evidence that Trump knew and believed that he had actually lost the election and was just spouting the stolen election line for his own purposes. Trump has been remarkably consistent since November of 2020. He believes he won the election. And as such, his efforts to work everyone around him to find evidence of the stolen election is unsurprising and, more importantly, perfectly legal. What else would you expect him to do as president? Smith's indictment crosses the line into election interference. John Solomon of Just the News reported Sunday afternoon that Trump will request a recusal of the federal district judge presiding over the case and will also request a change of venue because he believes he cannot receive a fair trial in Washington, D.C. Federal District Judge Tanya Chutkan, who is presiding over the case, is an Obama appointee who donated thousands of dollars to elect Obama and Biden and has already ruled against Trump in another case related to the January 6th Capitol riot. 
Now to the Jenny Beth Show. The latest episode of the Jenny Beth Show debuted last Wednesday, featuring Jenny Beth's interview on the southern border in McAllen, Texas, with Chris Cabrera of the National Border Patrol Council. The episode is entitled Border Patrol Challenges, Walls Work, Human Smuggling, and the title does a good job explaining what you'll hear about in the podcast. Asked by Jenny Beth to explain the changes he's seen between the situation when President Trump was in office and the situation now, Cabrera said, quote, When President Trump left office, things were as controlled as I've seen them in the last 10 or 15 years. Slower crossings, slower rate of crossings. People were getting sent back to Mexico, whether or not they were from Mexico, which I had never seen before. And we were able to concentrate on the people that were trying to avoid detection. When President Biden came in, he continued, The floodgates just opened, and our numbers doubled, tripled, quadrupled monthly. So they took the Remain in Mexico program away, and then they put it back in, but only partway, and we saw the numbers jump sky high, end quote. The podcast is available on all major podcast platforms. You can pick it up and subscribe to it on the Apple podcast platform, Simplecast, Odyssey, iHeart, Amazon Music, and YouTube. And that's our Washington Report for this week.